Welcome to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. I'm Bob Brookover. And I'm Matt Breen. You know, let's just get right to it. So there's some news today. JT Real Muto came up with a uh, broken thumb, right thumb on his, uh, that would be on his throwing hand. He injured it last week in a uh, pre-spring training workout where he was catching a Jose Alvarado bullpen session, ball hit off his thumb. And there you go. So uh, he's going to be on the shelf for at least, well, he's not going to be able to move his thumb uh, for two weeks. He's going to be in a cast. And then uh, it'll take him time beyond that to get ready. Um, I guess first, let's just first impressions. I mean, I I suppose, um, you know, you never want to get news like that. But probably if it's going to have to happen, it, it should happen on day two of spring training. There's plenty of time to for him to get ready. I'll start. What separates us from JT Ramuto and the Apes? <laughs> that thumb. There you go. The opposable thumb. <laughs> That's it right there. Uh, so, but as you, you said, I, you know, this was news. And for a second day, pretty bad news. Um, but as JT was asked, you know, it was, came on the same day that the Eagles – traded their franchise quarterback who will be here forever and never and lead them to many, many Super Bowls. And JT said he, he didn't know much about Carson Wentz, but he wouldn't worry too much about himself. Um, and I'm, I'm inclined to agree with uh, JT on this, that, you know, by the sounds of this injury, uh, it's, you, you let it rest. Uh, I don't think, you know, the season is six and a half weeks away, I guess this season opener, somewhere around there, maybe a little less, um, but, but a long ways away. Uh, and I don't think it's too big of a deal. Um, you know, even though some people were asking him to get used to new pitchers and yeah, I don't put too much stock into any of that. Yeah. I'm with you. It sounds like everybody's downplaying it. He expects to be ready. The Phillies expect him to be ready. Training staff, Joe Girardi, everybody expects him to be ready. And, and it's, if you're going to get injured, is there, you know, the only better day to get injured would have been yesterday. So, you know, it's not, they're in, they're in fine shape, but we've seen injuries that, you know, we've seen this happen before where an injury is minor. And then next thing you know, two weeks from now, he takes a cast off and it's not healed or whatever. But I, I just, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think it's, it's, it was something to write about, something to talk about, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal come April 1st. Yeah, and even if even if he's not ready on day one of the season, I don't think it's going to be long be, beyond that. So, you know, Andrew Knapp could catch the first three or four games if need be, um, and and they'll go from there. You know, they're not going to rush him. That's what they've already said. I you know I know he's going to want to do things before it's time to do them, but I think he's smart enough to not push it. And you know, ultimately, you know, I think he'll be a footnote in a long season. But you know, day two, it's not great. Yeah, and you know, the, the, they put a lot of money and invested a lot of money uh, into this guy. And, you know, I, I got to think the trainers at this level, they just know exactly what to do in, in a case like this. Uh, the fact that they're just immobilizing it entirely, as JT said, they're saving him from himself trying to, to rush back too soon. And JT seemed to have a, a pretty good understanding of exactly – uh, you know, not to rush back. He, he, he talked about his back injury that he had three years ago with the Marlins. And he, you know, obviously he came through that very, 
very well. And, and uh, you know, it was in spring training. So he, he knows when something like this happens at this time of year, that there's no need to rush back. Okay. So having said all of that, let's pull back a little bit. It's our first podcast of spring training. So why don't we talk a little bit about spring training and the storylines that we're going to be following for the next, you know, five and a half, six weeks leading up to what we think will be an on-time start to the season. Um, and I guess I'll start. And that's kind of where I wanted to, to begin was, you know, I think we can, we're going to talk a whole lot about center field. We're going to talk a whole lot about that bullpen. Is it any better? How much better? We'll probably talk about the fourth and fifth starter a good deal over the next month and a half, two months. I think the number one storyline in spring training, though, and it's not just in Philly's camp, it's everywhere, is COVID. Uh, and will they be able to get through these six weeks uninterrupted? I think last night I counted for the Extra Innings newsletter, I, I counted uh, 30 NBA postponements and 35 NHL postponements as of last night. I think MLB would be fooling itself to think that it's going to get through this unscathed. Uh, just before we jumped on here, I saw some news that Shane Bieber has tested positive for COVID-19 in Indians camp. You're going to have many, many other players and many other big names who I, I fear will probably do the same before all is said and done. How big of a challenge is this for them to get through the next six weeks and get ready to start the season on time on April 1st? It's obviously a challenge, but I think the advantage that they, they have over the NHL and college basketball and the NBA is that they played a 60-game season in the, the middle of the pandemic last summer. They traveled. They went on the road. They, they had a, some, some type of a spring training in the summertime. And they, they had all these protocols in place where these other leagues were kind of just, this is their first season, really. They played bubble seasons over the summer. Now they're, in, for the first time, traveling, having protocols, and, you know, really going through it where it's not going to be perfect. Like you said, Shane Beaver has COVID. Guys are going to test positive. It's going to happen. Um, spring training games will be postponed. Workouts will be closed, but but because of it, I'm sure. But I, I think they're going to get to opening day. And then the goal is that vaccinations aren't too far away. Maybe players are start, can be vaccinated in June. You know, I'm not talking about jumping the line. Maybe, you know, their turn can come up in June. And then you're on the other side of this once the majority of the clubhouse is vaccinated. I'll be devil's advocate a little bit here because I enjoy being the devil's advocate. It's never um, good to be devil's advocate, Bob. No, well, did um, Major League Baseball do it successfully, though? I mean, my answer to that would be no. They had one team, the Cardinals, and I forget the exact number. What did they pay, play, like 16 doubleheaders? I think the Phillies played 12 or 13. And then you had the Dodgers played one, and some other teams played one doubleheader. Uh, so – they weren't even playing by the same rules all, all last season, which takes me back to, you know, if, if the two sides didn't have such distrust in each other, we'd be not starting spring training right now. We would have pushed it back a month, maybe even a month and a half, just and shorten the season to 154 games, maybe 148, who cares? Uh, and, you know, especially when the owners agreed to pay the players full, full salary, uh, and then we would have maybe had those shots in those the arms you're talking about for the players and not had to do, deal with this. Because obviously, as Scott just pointed out, it's not working in the NBA and it's not working in the NHL. The Flyers are a perfect example of that right now. 
Uh, it's not working, so why not give yourself the best chance of it working by delay it? They didn't. We're here. Uh, I mean, let, let's not forget how the, the 2020 baseball season ended, too. I mean, it ended with a guy going on the field with COVID who tested in-game positive. Uh, I mean, so it was not – it was not as if Major League Baseball did this incredible job of staving off COVID last year. Yeah, I'm not saying that they did a perfect job, but they got they to the, to the finish line. You're not going to be able to do a, a perfect job. I'm sure it's not going to be perfect, but like I, last summer, I would have said they're not even going to be able to play a season. I'm not. I don't think that way now. Like they're going to grade A to F how they did last season. I can't grade them. They played a season during a pandemic. Like it wasn't. It, I'm just. I'm not talking about that. I'm not. I'm not going to rehash last season. I'm just letting you know that there's going to be a lot of outbreaks. I'm sure, but the season will start April 1st. They will have a World Series this year. There might be a ton of doubleheaders. It might not be the baseball that we all love, but they're going to. They're going to get through it. I'm not. I'm not as convinced it's going to start on April 1st. Um, I don't I hold do you to think- that. It won't start much later than April 1st. I do think that they're going to have some outbreaks. And look, I think, you know, you know, Joe Girardi made that point yesterday that they traveled last year and they did. It's true. Um, they did something the NBA did not do in its bubble and the NHL did not do in, in its bubbles. They traveled. They they it was regional travel, but it was travel. The Phillies had to get on planes to go to Miami and Atlanta and things like that. And kudos to them for putting in protocols to get through that. But the virus was in a different place then than it is now. And also, you know, look, I just think that you're going to expand travel. You're going to lengthen the season. Um, this is much less of a, like, just survive in advance kind of thing where you've got to get through two months. This is, you've got to get through six. Um, and, well, you know, and look, take it, take it piece by piece, right? You've got to at least get to where you're mass vaccinated throughout the league. And so that's going to take a little while. I, I think that there are going to be some things that crop up here. And Bob, you're right. Like, look, I agree with you that they should have pushed this thing back, maybe given themselves a better chance to get through spring training uninterrupted. But, you know, to discuss why they didn't do that, we'd have to get into the weeds of the whole labor thing. And we're going to be talking about that enough, I fear. And in, in miss 10 or 11 months. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, it's it's just a case of like you know uh, the 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 owners and the and the players can walk outside and look up at the sky and not agree on what color it is or whether it's cloudy or sunny out. They don't agree on anything. So when you tie things like the universal DH and expanded playoffs to what should have been a simple issue, let's just move the season back. We'll pay you for a full year, no matter how many games we play. They had to make it about something more than that. So that's why they're in camp and that's why they're trying to do this. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. Um, and, and we'll see how far they can get. I hope you're right, Matt. I hope that they can get to April 1st and, and they can get started on time. But I think the NBA and the NHL would, would probably say it's not going to be that simple. I hope you're right too, Matt. <laughs> I hope I'm right too. <laughs> I love when you're right. Oh, me too. I always am. You seldom will. <laughs> all Another right so line, though, um you still brought about covid and i think the phillies big storyline for at least for i'm concerned is and you've written a lot about it scott is how they're going to manage pitching you know get, getting through enough pitching all these innings in a in 162 game season after playing 60 games last year 
The back end of the rotation seems better than it was a year ago. Uh, the bullpen has been bulked up, and the big noticeable difference is like the fringe, you know, the the surrounding pieces of the bullpen are a lot better this spring than they were last spring. You know, you're looking at your non-roster invitees are stronger than they were last year. So I'm just curious, you know, what do you, what do you think about the back end of the rotation and how big of a difference is that than what they had in last year? I'll give you that it's deeper for sure. I mean, they have, they have more bodies who are capable of, of pitching in the major leagues who have, who have done it before. You know, they're not going to spring training with a bullpen in particular that Brian Price, I think, last year said, you know, we're, we're hoping for lightning in a bottle. I mean, I think you have some more proven commodities there than they had a year ago, and they certainly have that in the rotation with, you know, the Matt Boers and the Chase Andersons and the Ivan Novas who've pitched in the big leagues before. We'll see how good they are. I mean, we know that they're experienced and we know that they're deeper. Now we'll see if, if, if there's real – if they have anything, you know – uh, you know, I don't want to say anything left, but you know what I mean? If they can go out there and get consistent outs um, and that's really what it's going to come down to. And you're right. They're going to need a lot of pitching and there are going to be injuries. Um, you know, that's inevitable. So you're going to get through, you know, they're, they're already talking about using a six man rotation at, at points during the season. You know, they might as well think of it like an eight or nine or 10 man rotation because they're really going to need that many guys to, you hope that the big three, you know, Nola, Wheeler, and Zach Eflin stay healthy. And then you hope that you just have enough parts. You know, I'm curious to know what you guys think of what Joe Girardi said this week about Spencer Howard, that he's going to compete for a rotation spot. And it's funny, you go back and you listen to it, and I didn't pick it up at the time, but he said, you know, uh, he's no restrictions. He's not going to be limited. He's going to compete for a job. And then he said, you know, there might be some, you might, he might be on a little bit slower progression. Well, is he or isn't he? And what I what I took from that was, you know, maybe he's going to throw fewer innings than most guys. So maybe he's going to be in a kind of a piggyback scenario where he starts a game and somebody comes in after him for a little while. But you know, um, I'm curious what you think of, of how of that element of things and kind of how they're going to deploy, you know, more Anderson, Howard, Velasquez. There's a scenario where they're all on the roster on opening day. And they're all involved in, in the rotation in some way, shape, or form. To me, one of the things this team really needs, and it it really hasn't had from a pitching standpoint in a long, long time, um, is a really pleasant surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think back, and maybe I'm going too far back with this, but Vance Worley was the was essentially the, the fifth ace, even maybe more so the fourth ace in 2011. He was – that good and not expected to be that good. And, you know, was a huge reason why they won 102 games that year because he gave them just, he completed a great rotation with the essentially lightning in a bottle season for him. Um, they need that from a, a Spencer Howard, um, a Chase Anderson, a Matt Moore, or, or even a Vince Velasquez. One of those guys from a pitching standpoint, a starting pitching standpoint, you need the other three, the big three to come through. Well, I'd call them the big two with Zach Eflin, you know, on the verge of proving himself, but still much to prove there. But you need those guys. It, it, can you guys think of a time in a, since that 2011 uh, season where somebody really just came through and, you know, said they've had a lot of bad luck, like Charlie Morton. They had him pitch four games. He doesn't even suffer an arm injury, and then he goes on to become – 
one of the best pitchers in the American League over the next few years. I'll take you. I, I don't know about since 2011 because not a lot of good has happened to the Phillies since 2011, but I'll take you back to, you know, when you said that, I thought you were going to go to 2007 Kyle Kendrick. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of – he started that year in, I think, double-A, and by the end of the season, he was the, their game-two starter in the playoffs. So, you know, <laughs> that's – yeah. And you know what? I would tell you that it's not just 20, uh, 2007 Kyle Kendrick that they need. They need like 2008 Chad Durbin in the bullpen, too. And I don't know if that's, you know, Brandon Kinsler. I don't know if that's Tony Watson. I don't know if that's, you know, somebody emerging who's got less of a track record like Connor Brogdon. But they need somebody who kind of emerges in that bullpen to to make things feel a little bit more stable like what, there, too. I like what they did with numbers in the bullpen in terms of just, you know, they 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 tried to do numbers last year too, but I don't think they got the the right people for those numbers. Like they were, I think they've got a great you know a great above with their numbers this year. The guys they they're putting in there have have had more recent success than the guys that we saw last year. Bud Norris, uh, I'm even drawing a blank here on who the other Swarzak, right? Yeah, Swarzak, Liriano, yeah, and, 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 and Darker this year. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if that's a product of uh, the market, right? Like a yep. uh, pandemic market, a lot of unsigned free agents. Even now, as we sit here today, there were over 100 a few days ago. It's probably still close to that number. I wonder if it's that or just better scouting, one or the other, because, you know, you're right. They didn't come up with a whole lot in that, in that, in that minor league contract non-roster invite group last year, and we'll see if this year's group is better. It certainly seems it might be. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today, too, that is it, you know, just the, the front office is better or is it just the fact that there was the options are better and the market just lined up more where guys are willing to take one year contracts or minor league deals. Um, and I was about Spencer Howard. I was surprised when Joe Girardi said that, but then I did hear the other part that you mentioned that it was like, but and it makes me think that it's the it was the first day of spring training. Are you going to tell Spencer Howard that you can't, you're not competing for a spot in rotation? Or are you going to tell him, yeah, you are? And even though knowing he's probably not going to be in the rotation on opening day, but what way would that be to start camp to tell him that there's no chance of that happening? So it, it gives him something to compete for, something to, to pitch for for the six weeks in Clearwater. But he threw what, 24 in the third innings last year? Like, I, he can't be in the rotation on opening day unless it's, He's making two inning starts because you need him in August and September. So ideally, I would, but I, you can't have him in the minor leagues either because he's too good when you know you're competing on opening day. So I'm putting him in the bullpen. Um, you can control his innings out there a little bit better, and still he can still pitch, you know, important innings. And Vince Velasquez, you hope he can stick in this as a, I think it's six man rotation makes sense. I, I think, you know, you hope that he can stick as the number six guy, but there's just a lot of question marks, but I, I think the question marks are, it's okay to be hopeful. You're not hoping for a miracle. Like Matt Moore wouldn't be the first guy to come from Japan after, you know, pitching good over there for a year and be good in the majors. He's a former top prospect has had success in the majors. It's not, you know, some random guy that you're like, Oh, maybe, you know, he might turn out Chase Anderson proven, you know, track record of going out and making 25 to 30 starts a season. So it's not, I, it's not perfect, but it's, it's a lot better than, than you know, it has been and then it, it could be. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I wonder whether, uh, you know, Aaron Nola expressed his feelings yesterday about a six-man rotation saying, I'd rather pitch on my normal turn each time. And that's fine. That's what I want him to say. He's a horse. He's made more starts than anyone in baseball the last three years. That kind of blew me away when I when I looked that up yesterday. I didn't realize that. Oh, that was the a great second most, And the second most innings behind only Jacob DeGrom. But what if, you know, what if Howard and Velasquez figure into a, you know, they are the sixth man essentially every other time, let's say, through the rotation. So, you know, not every, not every turn, but every other turn you throw the, you know, depending on off days, off days could, could help um, with workloads and stuff too. But, you know, wherever you feel like you need that number six, it's the two of them and they kind of split the start up a little bit. And when they're not doing that, you know, they're in the bullpen as sort of multi-inning long guys. Because uh, obviously you can't have two guys who just do nothing but make a spot start every, you know, 10 days or 12 days. Um, what if it's kind of a hybrid role? And, and I guess you could make the case that if you're going to take the, the 13 or 14 best pitchers, um, they are among them, you know, in this camp. Yeah, I think you have to get creative like that. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, well, we're not done yet with the union and MLB. I don't think like they're going to have a, you know, an expanded postseason debate and a, and a debate about the universal DH. And it also could be rosters expanded, you know, by two. And, and now that makes sense that it's not even like a roster crunch to be able to have that six starter. That could just be a benefit of, if rosters get expanded by two players. And, and if COVID wrecks havoc on spring training, then it's a no brainer then for them to say at the end of camp that, if we're going to go through with this and we're going to play during the pandemic, we need to have 28 players on the roster. Again. So Definitely. Another subject. Yeah. Let's switch to uh, the, the subject that came up, the, the center field uh, conundrum. Um, we sit here two days into spring training. Let's hear your picks for who the center fielder will be on opening day. I'm going to just, I'm going to say Udu Herrera is starting. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's starting in center field on opening day. Um, And I I will say I don't agree with it. I don't think he should play for the Phillies again. Um, I've said that since it happened. I still say that now. But I I think that's that's just my guess. And that's just how I'm projecting spring training to go. But I think he's going to have a strong mini camp. He's going to play in great fruit league games. And – they had one of the worst production last season in center field. All three of those guys are on the team still. So there's no, there's no one really blocking them. Like, I just think it's, it's set up and the Phillies are seem willing to put him on the roster. If it's not opening day, I think it's not too far off from opening day. I am going to say Scott Kingery. I think he's probably uh, the one of the, now, I mean, look, they invested a first-round pick in Adam Hazley, so I'm not saying that they're not invested in Adam Hazley. Uh, although I do think that was more the old front office than the new one that had a real investment in Adam Hazley. But, you know, I think that they really want to see Scott Kingery succeed. Um, I've heard mixed messages already about, you know, him playing more than one position. I think Joe Girardi would really like to just put him in the lineup in one position and turn him loose and let him go. Um, and I, I think that, you know, we've seen him have great spring trainings in the past. I think he could get on a run and have a, a really good one again and win the job. I will say, though, that I do think 
Odubel Herrera will be the center fielder at some point during the season, probably sooner than later. I think he's, I agree with you, Matt. I think he's capable of having a good camp. I just, I think that there are too many hurdles for him to jump over right now in spring training that have even nothing to do with his problems off the field two years ago. Like he's not on the 40 man roster. He's not even a non-roster invitee. Technically he's a mini camper. He did not play last year. Uh, you throw out the two games he played in winter ball because it was two games in, in a year and a half, he's played two games. I think that, you know, what they would probably prefer to do is let him start the season in AAA. I could see him starting well there and AAA we found out today is going to start on April 6th. So not, not too delayed uh, one week later, really than MLB. I think you let him start in AAA. He has a good month of April. Maybe he's your, he's your center fielder by May. If the other three don't, you know, don't do anything to sort of seize the job. And none of the three of them have shown so far that they are capable of seizing the job. So I could see Herrera being the center fielder earlier than later. I just, I don't think it's going to be on April 1st. That's probably the most likely scenario. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go with Adam Hazley. Uh, go, go against both of you here. Um, I thought he was pretty good two years ago as a rookie. I did too. Uh, you know, and I don't know what, you know, Joe, Joe talked a couple of weeks ago about his wrist not being the same when I went back and looked and he really wasn't the same after he suffered that wrist injury. Uh, the fact he didn't hit any home runs was was disturbing last year, but he hit, I think he hit five or six the year before. Uh, and he looked like he was a player on the rise. Uh, you know, he defensively didn't look the same either last year, but I, I just think there's a, there's a quiet intensity about Hazley that we haven't seen yet. Uh, you know, I think Scott Kingery is a, is a, is going to get his playing time, but he's going to be the guy who gets to play three days, three or four days a week at different positions. I, I really think that's going to be his role on this team uh, for now. Maybe one day he'll get another shot to be an everyday player, but uh, he played himself out of that last year. You know, maybe it had something to do with COVID. I don't know. Um, you know, I. I have to see Roman Quinn be healthy. He, he hasn't been. And even when he was healthy last year, I think he's a, he's a terrific fifth outfielder because he brings a speed element that nobody else does. Um, but I think that might be, end up being Roman Quinn's uh, ceiling in the big leagues is as a fourth and fifth outfielder, which is fine. You know, you can make a, you can have a long career doing that if he does it well. Um you know, the, the, the two intriguing things to me about about Kingery, getting Kingery or Herrera's bat, Herrera, I think in 18, hit 22 homers, and Kingery, 19, hit uh, 19 home runs. And you add that many home runs to a lineup. I, I kind of wrote about home runs for, for Friday's newspaper. This team's got a chance with as many boppers as it has to set the – Set the team record for home runs of 224 this season. Really, you, you don't think so? <laughs> There's a way of not you said boppers. Boppers. They call boppers. <laughs> Bangers. Old-time ball. Bangers. Boppers. <laughs> well, no, I agree. Come I to the mean, ballpark and watch all the boppers. <laughs> That's what they called them back in my day. Right. Google was a bopper. Uh, <laughs> bop. Um, no, but this team, and, and then you add those two guys in there, uh, it, it, 
you know, the lineup it has like six or seven potential 20 home run hitters in this team. And those guys would obviously add to that because they have the capability. I mean, you forget that Scott Kramer hit, I think it was 27 home runs his year before he got to the big leagues in the minor leagues. So uh, yeah. it's, it's in those guys. I, I don't know if it comes out, but we'll see. There's definitely 2020, you know, type potential in Kingery for sure. Bob, I agree with you about Hazley. I thought I thought he had a nice 2019 when he came up, and he, you know, he came up early. He wasn't supposed to be there uh, in June of that year, but Odubel Herrera happened, and uh, that got, uh, and then McCutcheon got hurt, and that got Hazley to the big leagues much faster than he was supposed to. And I thought he really did well. I mean, you remember that catch in Cincinnati? Um, you know, I thought he was. You know, he has that sort of old-timey swing. It's not an uppercut swing. It's In fact, it's a downplane swing sometimes. And it seemed like he was going to slap doubles all around the field and kind of be that guy. And if all he's got to do is bat eighth for this team and play a decent center field, I think he's capable of that. But he did take seem to take a step back defensively last year. Don't know if it was health-related. And I might be reading this wrong. I don't know if you guys got the same feeling, but it just – it did not seem like Joe Girardi was a huge fan for whatever reason. Like anytime it seemed like Hazley was getting a little momentum, something happened, whether it was that he, you know, got a concussion in spring training or he hurt his wrist or, and, you know, Girardi would not play him against left-handed pitching. I mean, I was like, give the guy a chance to prove he can hit lefties. If you don't, he's never going to be able to show he can do it. He did it in the minor leagues. They didn't seem willing to let him have that opportunity though. So I wonder about, about Hazley from that standpoint. Like, does he have the faith of his manager and his coaching staff or, uh, or not? And I'm not sure he's going to be one of these guys who can succeed as a platoon guy because he was never a platoon guy in the minor leagues un- unless you give him a chance to play every day and he fails and then he has to be a platoon guy. So let's wrap this up with um, baseball prospectus. The Dakota rankings, 82.8 wins for the Phillies. Uh, third place behind the Mets and the Nationals. It's out of the wild, n- not finishing in the wild card in a traditional playoff format. 82.8 would be a winning season. Is that – are you taking the over or are you taking the under? I'm going over. I'm going over because I, I, I just – based on what I was talking about earlier and, you know, there's no analytics here – involved it's just it's they are due to have some surprises uh they have enough proven players i think you know this team was i think fifth in baseball and runs scored last year and there's reason to believe they can be a top 10 team in that department again and i just think they're just overdue for some some surprises to happen in a good way uh, and it's going to push them over. I think this is. I actually think this is the year this team makes the playoffs. In an expanded field or a ten-team field, you know, five, five and five in each league. In, in either one. How about an old school? Uh, just one, one team from each league. One team from each league. <laughs> back to the days when I started covering. You mean back, back when the boppers were boppers, Bob. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they're the best team nationally. No, no, not in the one, not in the nineteen sixty-eight format. It's still the Tigers and Cardinals. I, uh, I'll go over the eighty-two. Uh, I don't know by how much, and but I'll go over. Um, I just, 
you know, I think we touched on this in our last podcast that if it's a, if it's an expanded field, if it's, you know, 14 teams, seven in each league, uh, I think they have a chance. If it's five and five, like it has been um, with the exception of last year, you know, it's going to be hard. Uh, you know, look, the Dodgers and the Padres, you put them in right now, put them in because they're both that good. It would be stunning if either of them missed the playoffs out of the West. Someone's got to win the Central. That leaves two more spots, presumably for East teams, unless someone from the Central surprises. Um, you know, 80, even if I go over 82, if I'm like in the 85 to 87 range, that's probably not good enough to win the East. It might not even be good enough to finish third in the East. So I'm going to go over, but I'm going to say a playoff miss as long as it's a standard, you know, 10-team uh, playoff field. I'm with you too. They have 85 wins is what it would take to win that second wild card. And I mean, that's not out of reach, but I think it probably ends up taking maybe a little bit more than that. And Phillies fall just short, but I think they will have a winning record and they'll have more than 82 wins. So um, look, you know, uh, center field, relief pitching, starting pitching back of the rotation and COVID-19. I think those are going to be sort of four storylines that we're, talking about for six, six weeks, the next six weeks as the Phillies get themselves ready for the start of the season. I think we scratched the surface on all, all of those things today, and we'll talk a whole all lot more. Bases. We've covered all the bases. All the boppers. And, and the boppers. Nice um, to see you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do this in person one of these days. Yeah, maybe. No, no, this is fine. Just, this is good. This is Social distancing is good for you guys. <laughs> so, so we'll do this again. You're much better on Zoom than you do in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, tell me about it. Um, so we'll do this again next week. Uh, in the meantime, check us out in Inquirer.com, uh, the pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Extra Innings newsletter, the Extra Innings podcast. What am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anything? Twitter, Instagram. T-shirts. Extra Innings T-shirts. T-shirts, polos. You can buy everything at in ExtraInnings.com, our gift shop. Right, sure. One of these Bob, days. Coolbob.com. <laughs> ring up. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's leave it at that. So uh, for Matt, for Bob, I'm Scott. We'll talk to you next week.